a little while ago, my eldest daughter asked me to try to explain the difference between polynomial and non-polynomial time calculations in computing. And although it's something that I've been familiar with and aware of for a long time, I'd never really sat down and thought about it very much. I'd rather taken for granted that there was a problem with non-polynomial, but I'd never quite discussed it or even thought about it very much. So I duly did my best with this. And, I, I, and funnily enough, the non-polynomial suddenly became relevant to what we've been talking about over chatbots. And let me see if I can explain why. The basic point about polynomial time calculations is, although it's not obvious, I don't think, is that the more calculations that you do, you do not, as you might say, pay a penalty, by and large, for the length of whatever it is that you're processing. So that if you're dealing with a program that's, let's say, k bytes long, k can be quite a small number, and it takes you t, then if you look at a program that is a hundred times longer, it will take you, roughly speaking, a hundred t. In other words, there isn't a penalty for being larger. You, you pay a penalty, of course, in that you, it takes longer to process it, but it doesn't take disproportionately longer. And that's clearly advantageous. And so polynomial time calculations are deemed tractable. They may take a long time, but they are doable. And if it takes a second to do one, it will take, roughly speaking, a minute to do 60. I say roughly speaking because the equality of the incremental time, in other words, that when you add one to the length of the program, you only add a unit of time to it. That's something that's only true in the limit when the program gets very long, but roughly speaking it works. So you can do your 60 program length calculation in about 60 seconds. You may well say a second's an awfully long time for a computer. We're dealing with you know, fractions of a nanosecond sometimes, but that's really just illustrative. Now, when we talked about our friend ChatGPT and the way it works, we talked about the way it's the length of the calculations that you can have, I beg your pardon, the length of the conversations that you can have with it are limited. And one of the reasons for that is because it tries as best it can to go back and be consistent with everything that's happened in the conversation until then. Now this, although it may not be obvious, produces a very different kind of problem and calculation. Of course, if it simply makes the decision that it's going to try and be consistent with everything, then it can look at everything that's been said and, and just try and do that. But I think if it's remotely like us, and I think that we don't really do this at all, 
it will be a bit picky and a bit choosy about which of the bits of the conversation to take seriously and which of them to largely forget about and ignore, which we certainly do. And that presents the following problem. If I've got one contribution to the conversation, let's say from me, then the computer has a decision that consists of just two, I'm simplifying of course, two possibilities. It either takes account of it or it doesn't. If I was to put it into obtuse, uncooperative mode, which you can do, and I said to it, oh, I'm very worried about climate change. And the reply that I got was, I'm a Liverpool supporter. Something completely at odds with what I'd said. Then it's ignored my comment. But on the other hand, if it comes back with something about climate change or global warming or human behaviour or flying or methane or whatever it might be, then it's taken it seriously. So when I've made one contribution, it has a choice consisting of two options, to take it seriously or to ignore it. It then makes a contribution. And the effect of that is to mean that the conversation now has two components, either or both of which, or neither of which, we can take into account when the third contribution comes. And that means that if we take into neither of them into account, we say something else about Virginia Woolf, which doesn't bear any resemblance to climate change or Liverpool. And so I've, that's two zeros, no attention. If I say something about climate change but ignore the remark about Liverpool, then that's one. If I take Liverpool and ignore climate change, that's another one. And if I try and incorporate Liverpool and climate change, that's the fourth. So you can see that what was two decisions, once you add one contribution to the conversation, suddenly becomes four decisions. Those of you who are into binary arithmetic are going to think this is all blindingly obvious, and those that aren't are probably going to think it's inconceivably difficult, but there we go. So what we've then seen is that the computational overhead involved in doubling the length of the conversation has been doubled. So then we add a third contribution. I say something, and I'm, I'm not going to labour through them all, but I hope you can see that then there are two options for the first contribution, two for the second, and two for the third, each one can, uh, of which can occur independently. So if you think about drawing a tree diagram of the sort you did in school in probability, it's two times two times two is eight. So adding the third component has now doubled the computational overhead again, and so on. So that by the time we've done four contributions, we've got 16, 5, 32, 6, 64, 7, 128, 8, 256, etc. And then, if your deliberations take a second, believe it or not, this is where human intuition absolutely collapses, 
by the time we've made 60 contributions to this conversation, we've taken as long as the whole history of the universe. And usually when you put that, point that out to somebody, they just look at you and say, no, it can't possibly be true. But it is a bit like the old story from India about the king and the guru. And the king was so pleased with the advice, the wisdom, that he said to the guru, you can have anything you like. And the guru, who was obviously a bit of a wag, said, well, you play chess, your majesty. I'll have one grain of rice on the first square, two on the second, four on the third, and then you can give me however much rice there is on the 64th square. And the king, who wasn't a mathematician, readily agreed to this, and duly owed him more rice than probably the mass of the universe. Exponential growth is counterintuitive. The other way to think about it is to say, well, okay, 60 contributions to the conversation take the length of the universe, but computers now are operating in nanoseconds and picoseconds. So maybe if our calculation only takes a nanosecond, and there are a billion nanoseconds in a second, then that makes a difference. And unfortunately it doesn't. Well, it does make a difference, but not much, because if you take the fairly reasonable view that a thousand is two to the ten, it's actually a thousand and twenty-four is two to the ten, but that's close enough. So a thousand times a thousand times a thousand is two to the ten times two to the ten times two to the ten, two to the thirty. So a calculation that only takes a nanosecond will multiply the age of the universe measured in seconds by 2 to the 30. And the effect of that will mean that the conversation can go on 30 contributions longer, even at that great speed. And every thousand times you speed up the computer, you add 3... I'm sorry, you add 10. Well, you add 10 to at three zeros, 2 to the 10,000, you add that to the length of the whole conversation. So what's this got to do with the price of fish? Stupid expression that I now use twice, I think. The answer is that our chatbot friend, if it's trying to take account of everything in the conversation, is going to find that it's got more and more and more computer overhead to take account of. And quite quickly that becomes disproportionately, when I say expensive, well it may be expensive in financial terms, but when computer scientists talk about expense and cost, they really mean the computer time that it takes. Clearly there is a cost of that. Just takes too long. And what you and I do, not, a, not exactly I think because we've thought this through, but what you and I do is we by and large have conversations where we take the last thing that was said fairly seriously and we pick and choose fairly randomly between the rest of it because we know that it's going to take too long otherwise. You can't reply if you have to do all that calculation. That's one of the reasons, I'm sure, 
why human beings like simplification. There have been many remarks in this long series on our love of linearization, of ranking things, of just taking things into account one thing at a time, one direction at a time, of believing that you can somehow rank the world on a single scale, from best to worst, cleverest to stupidest, most beautiful to most ugly. It's all nonsense. Of course you can't. But it's easier that way, because otherwise the number of parameters that you need to take account of just makes the decision process impossibly complicated and intractable in terms of the amount of time that it takes. So, exponential growth is a problem, a real problem, for anybody and everybody that wants to take account of everything selectively. What we tend to do instead, and it relates to Shestov, who some of you may remember from many episodes ago, what we tend to do instead is to take the view that Shestov excoriates, quoting Seneca's Semper parere simul jubere, decide once, obey forever. And to do that simplifies your life a lot. Because if you stop thinking, then many of these computational difficulties evaporate. If you don't worry about taking account of the past and being selective and picking and choosing between the two to the n possibilities, that the n contributions to the conversation allow, then your computational time is massively reduced. In fact, it becomes polynomial because the additional contribution just takes probably as long as the last one. Unfortunately, the quality also diminishes because what you end up doing is just dealing with what's immediate and not dealing with the bigger issues. And that connects very nicely with my next theme, which is going to be the transhuman, the superintelligent. Because I've become pretty convinced that although it's not certain and although it's not established and although it will get better, Conversations with these chatbots, particularly chatbots of the quality of ChatGPT and its successors, which are rolling out more or less by the day, as far as I can make out, what's happening there is that the quality of the conversation is raising the tone generally. And one of the particular things that I've noticed not least because when I do my computer programming, which I've been obsessing over for the last few days, I find that there are so many things that I don't know, is that you can ask the chatbot anything. And its reply will be courteous, understanding, affirming. You will not feel sneered at, laughed at, put down, humiliated. In the style of so many educational experiences, 
that most of us have had. And certainly in comparison with going on to something like Stack Exchange and asking a question, where you're quite likely to get not exactly a tsunami of abuse, but there are lots of people who are vested in being a bit snide, in picking holes, in pointing the finger, in making adverse comments about your stupid code and why on earth are you even trying to do that, don't you know anything kind of thing, which isn't supposed to happen, but it does. So rather than go on to Stack Exchange, I'd much rather talk to the chatbot and frankly the answers that you get are usually more pertinent, certainly considerably, massively more pleasant and generally very affirming so that you go back again. And the fact that it has no idea what it's doing doesn't really matter. And what I find particularly interesting is that the courtesy with which I am treated by it induces a kind of reciprocal sympathetic courtesy in me so that I find it almost impossible not to thank it when a conversation finishes not because I think it's appreciative but because I think that it would be remiss of me not to and I suppose with a background thought that maybe the people who built it will eventually track all this down and do some statistical analysis on how agreeable people are. And of course there is another side to that. I don't enjoy being rude to people and I try not to be. I'm sure there are others who will see these AIs as sitting targets and the, and the AI I'm sure won't bother one way or the other but I don't think that we can reasonably abuse such benign entities. And I'm ramble chatting again. So anyway, there we are. Thank you for listening.